welcome to Come Follow Me with Bree, episode 141, Truth and Light. Hello, I'm so glad you're here. Did you have a good Christmas? I hope you did. But I know that holidays look different for everyone, and sometimes they might be a reminder of what, of what you don't have or what you have lost. But I hope, in spite of that, for even just a moment, you were able to focus on the Savior and how His life and atonement was and is for you. And regardless of your Christmas experience, that is really what we should be focused on, is the Savior and how miraculous and loving the advent of his birth was. And more than other years, what a great introduction Christmas is into our topic for Come Follow Me this year, the New Testament. I hope you were able to follow along with our 22 days of reading the first four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you weren't, feel free to go back. It really only takes 15 to 20 minutes per day. And if you speed me up, it would be even shorter. Although I think I'm kind of a fast talker anyway, so that might be intense. But I think it's a really great way to help refresh yourself on the content in those first four Gospels. Because what I tried to do is to say the scriptures as best I could with the cadence and emotion of a real voice, as opposed to kind of a little bit more robotic and monotone. So go back and listen to those if you feel so inclined. And I'll keep reminding you as we get to different sections of the first four Gospels as we go through Come Follow Me. Okay, let's get to our first topic of the year, because we're starting this week, because Sunday is January 1st. So even though we're not quite done with the year, we are starting next year's Come Follow Me today. The title of this week's Come Follow Me lesson is We Are Responsible for Our Own Learning. What a perfect way to start off the year. And I hope as you listen today that you feel empowered. Whenever I search and read the scriptures and study the words of the prophets, I often feel a great sense of empowerment as the Spirit teaches me. It's a very specific feeling, having your understanding quickened. The more pure my intent, the more dedicated my study, the more I feel the Holy Ghost opening my mind. I want to start with a little section of scripture in Doctrine and Covenants section 93. And the reason I want to start with it is because it is it does such a great job of reminding us kind of what the end goal is, why why we're here and what our potential is. And the Heavenly Father knows that potential and believes in that potential. So Doctrine and Covenants starting 93, starting in verse 21 through 39. And now verily I say unto you, I was in the beginning with the Father, and am the firstborn. And all those who are begotten through me are partakers of the glory of the same, and are the church of the firstborn. Ye were also in the beginning with the Father, that which is spirit, even the spirit of truth. And truth is knowledge of things as they are, and as they were, and as they are to come. And whatsoever is more or less than this is the spirit of the wicked one, who was a liar from the beginning. The spirit of truth is of God. I am the spirit of truth. And John bore record of me saying, he received a fullness of truth, yea, even of all truth. And no man receiveth a fullness unless he keepeth his commandments. He that keepeth his commandments receiveth truth and light until he is glorified in truth and knoweth all things. Man was also in the beginning with God. Intelligence or the light of truth was not created or made, neither indeed can be. All truth is independent in that sphere in which God has placed it, to act for itself as all intelligence also, otherwise there is no existence. Behold, here is the agency of man, and here is the condemnation of man, because that which was from the beginning is plainly manifest unto them, and they receive not the light. 
And every man whose spirit receiveth not the light is under condemnation. For man is spirit, the elements are eternal, and spirit and element inseparably connected receive a fullness of joy. And when separated, man cannot receive a fullness of joy. The elements are the tabernacle of God, yea, man is the tabernacle of God, even temples, and whatsoever temple is defiled, God shall destroy that temple. The glory of God is intelligence, or in other words, light and truth. Light and truth forsake that evil one. Every spirit of man was innocent in the beginning, and God having redeemed man from the fall, men became again in their infant state innocent before God. And that wicked one cometh and taketh away light and truth through disobedience. These scriptures define our end goal. He that keepeth his commandments receiveth truth and light until he is glorified in truth and knoweth all things. I think a lot of times we think, whether actively or just kind of that's where our brain is at, we think we can just be good people and float along and that will be enough to help us become all that we're supposed to become. And considering the the high expectations and the glorious future that we're told that we have, doesn't that seem kind of silly? Heavenly Father has high expectations for the amount of effort we should be putting forth. And isn't it cool to think about how agency is the center of it all? We get to use our agency to choose to search the scriptures. We get to use our agency to choose to ask the Lord for that enlightenment. Remember what those scriptures just said about agency? It says, starting in verse 29, man was also in the beginning with God, intelligence or the light of truth, and was not created or made, neither indeed can be. All truth is independent in that sphere in which God has placed it to act for itself as all intelligence also. Otherwise, there is no existence. Behold, here is the agency of man, and here is the condemnation of man, because that which was from the beginning is plainly manifest unto them, and they receive not the light. Receiving and rejecting light is the agency of man, or the condemnation of man. Isn't that interesting? So the question for today is, which part are we going to choose? Are we going to choose to receive and search for light? Or are we going to choose the opposite? And like it says in the the end of those verses that I said, that wicked one cometh and taketh away light and truth through disobedience. So how do we recede from the light? How do we keep ourselves from attaining that light and knowledge? Through disobedience. So we're going to define today in part what obedience looks like to the Father as it relates to light and truth. One of the main comments I get whenever I talk to people about my doing of this podcast, the main comment that I get is, I could never do that. I don't know enough or I'm not qualified or some version of that, which I always think is funny because even though I don't think everyone needs to do a podcast or anything like it, I do always think that they're qualified. One of the reasons that I do this podcast and feel qualified to do so is that I know that the Lord will reveal to me everything necessary for what I'm doing. I am not a scriptorian. I don't have a degree that qualifies me for this. In fact, I don't even have a degree in anything at all. And I haven't been studying intensely for years. I just have a testimony that this is God's work. And because I have a desire to serve him, to bring good things into the world, I know that he will bring good things through this podcast, despite all of my lack of qualification. I have faith in God that that he, like, like he did with Samuel the Lamanite, will put into my heart what I should say within the proper framework, as Elder Renland put it this last general conference. I have faith that Heavenly Father will inspire me through the Holy Ghost to be guided in whatever direction he would have me go. I have faith that he can bring good through what I have to offer. And I want to challenge you 
to accept in your mind that that is true for you too. Whatever he is pushing you to do, he will qualify you. And great things will come to pass because of your efforts. Like the scripture says, through small and simple things, great things are brought to pass. But my point with all of this, as we're applying it to learning the gospel, to acquiring knowledge, and that we are responsible for that, the scriptures are both simple and complex. There's enough for the most beginner of beginners to feast on and the most advanced of gospel scholars. You are qualified. You are absolutely capable of learning continually throughout your life about the gospel, the scriptures, and the teachings of the prophets. And I know that not because you or I alone are qualified, but the Spirit qualifies us. And doubting the Spirit, doesn't that seem silly? Doubting Heavenly Father's capabilities of bringing you ever closer to this time that was described in DNC 93, verse 28, he that keepeth his commandments receiveth truth and light until he is glorified in truth and knoweth all things. That is the future that he has intended for you. But we are also told in Alma chapter 34, ye cannot say when ye are brought to that awful crisis that I will repent, that I will return to my God. Nay, ye cannot say this for that same spirit, which doth possess your bodies at the time that ye go out of this life, that same spirit will have power to possess your body in that eternal world. So right now is the time for us to become great learners, eager learners, because the spirit that we have right now in our bodies is the same one that will continue on with us on the other side. Is failing to seek continual greater light and knowledge something that requires repentance? Is that sinful? Let's read some scriptures to determine if that is a command that we've been given. Nephi, for sure, is a great example of this. He wanted to know the things that his father knew, and he believed that that could happen. He said, chapter 10, verses 17 through 19, I, Nephi, was desirous also that I might see and hear and know of these things by the power of the Holy Ghost, which is the gift of God unto all those who diligently seek him, as well in times of old as in the time that he should manifest himself unto the children of men. For he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the way is prepared for all men from the foundation of the world, if it so be that they repent and come unto him. For he that diligently seeketh shall find, and the mysteries of God shall be unfolded unto them by the power of the Holy Ghost, as well in these times, so Nephi's time and your time, as well in these times as in times of old, and as well in times of old as in times to come. Wherefore, the course of the Lord is one eternal round. Isn't that powerful? Nephi, even in his time, that we still think of as back in scripture time, he said, I know that this is how the Lord works, and I know that it can work for me. And what is Nephi seeking that he knows that this is true for? The mysteries of God, the same thing that we're seeking today. And the Lord still works in the same way that he did back then. James chapter 1, verse 22, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Man, deceiving your own selves. I know that I have done that before. Felt like I understood certain aspects of the gospel, even believed them strongly, but then didn't follow through actually doing them. I mean, isn't that what sin is? So I definitely do that now. I know that there are aspects of the gospel that I am a believer of, but I'm not really following through with them as well as I I think Heavenly Father knows that I could. And when I say that, I mean that I am self-aware in knowing that I I know I'm not putting forth the effort to do all that I can do. 
Are we obeying that command to continually seek and acquire knowledge from God? Do we believe that it is good and necessary and a command? And yet, we don't feast with our whole hearts on the words of the scriptures and the prophets. In Acts chapter 17, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is traveling around preaching to different cities and countries, and he speaks of a people that he preached to who he describes as more noble. Now listen to the scripture to hear what qualifies them as more noble. Verse 11, these were more noble than those in Thessalonia in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Ask yourself, are you doing what those, what those noble people that Paul described were doing? Do you receive the word with readiness of mind and do you search the scriptures, whether those things are so? Elder Bednar said, we should not expect the church as an organization to teach or tell us everything we need to know and do to become devoted disciples and endure valiantly to the end. Rather, our personal responsibility is to learn what we should learn, to live as we know we should live, and to become who the master would have us become. And our homes are the ultimate setting for learning, living, and becoming. Let's go back to Nephi for a second. Now, we know that Nephi received many visions and became a prophet, and we and neither did Nephi, don't get to choose exactly how the Lord reveals to us. Although I am a firm believer that dreams and visions are possible for you and for me as part of our personal revelation journey. But a part of that possibility greatly depends on if you actually believe that it could happen. I believe that things like that only happen to people who, one, believe it can really happen to them. And think about the alternative. If you don't believe it could happen to specifically you, you are putting limits on God. Now, doesn't that seem even more silly than believing that you could never experience visions or dreams if God wanted that for you? So number two, it could only happen to those who are at peace with however the Lord wants to communicate with them. I think most often it's not visions and dreams. It's much more often in the everyday ways that we're used to. I think we've learned through plenty of scripture that anyone who demands great signs and wonders, their story doesn't typically end well. And number three, those who are at peace with the Lord's timing. Kind of like the last thing, it doesn't go well usually to demand certain things of the Lord because we we just don't know as much as the Lord knows. So he knows exactly what's best for us. We might not get answers right away. We need to act on the things that we do have faith in, even if we don't fully understand them, and trust that all things will work together for our good and that the Lord's timing is part of our journey and is a great practice for us in faith helping us strengthen that faith and learning how to rely on him instead of ourselves. The Lord's timing doesn't just probably have a purpose. It has a purpose. He is cultivating us spiritually line upon line, and he knows exactly what we need when we need it. As the Lord's timing is part of the journey, that also implies that the Lord is satisfied with wherever we are, as long as our wholehearted effort is still there. And only the Lord and you can know what that looks like as you seek for peace of conscience and and heart through the Holy Ghost. In commenting about the parable of the ten virgins, the Come Follow Me manual this week said, Perhaps you know people who never seem to lose their faith no matter what happens in their lives. They may remind you of the five wise virgins in the Savior's parable. What you may not see are their diligent efforts to strengthen their testimonies of the truth. Let's read that parable. Matthew 25, starting in verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. 
They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. What do you think about this parable in the way that the Come, Follow Me manual is suggesting you think about in the effort it took to ensure that their lamps were full of oil? I learned this on windowintothebible.com. Herodian lamps were used during the time of Jesus. A Herodian oil lamp and Iron Age lamp filler used to carry extra oil. Our experiments have shown that a replica Herodian lamp filled with olive oil will burn for about four to five hours and would run out at about midnight, just as the foolish virgins discovered. Isn't that interesting to think about? In the parable, the foolish virgins brought no oil in their lamps. Now, as I read that, and perhaps somebody knows a resource out there that could point me in the right direction, but did that mean that they didn't bring any oil at all in their lamp, like just an empty lamp, or did it mean that they didn't bring any oil to replenish? But either way, I think as followers of Jesus Christ, there are going to be many different levels of oil available for each one of us, depending on how spiritually healthy we are. And again, spiritual health can only be determined by you and your Heavenly Father. Everyone was born with a different life circumstance and different levels of accountability, depending on what has happened in your life or not happened in your life. And because of that, we are all starting from our own personal level of knowledge and spiritual maturity. So none of us can judge another's progress. But what if we have oil in our lamp, but it's not enough to make it till midnight? And that is a personal reflection question worth praying about. President Nelson has warned, in coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. Do we have enough oil in our lamp that it will last till metaphorical midnight when the Savior comes? And I love that President Nelson, he's not saying you're not going to survive spiritually if you don't have a certain level of knowledge. It is the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. The Primary Manual 7 says, In our lives, the oil of preparedness is accumulated drop by drop in righteous living. Attendance at sacrament meetings add oil to our lamps drop by drop over the years. Fasting, family prayer, home teaching, control of bodily appetites, preaching the gospel, studying the scriptures, each act of dedication and obedience is a drop added to our store. Deeds of kindness, payment of offerings and tithes, chaste thoughts and actions, marriage in the covenant for eternity, these two contribute importantly to the oil with which we can at midnight refuel our exhausted lamps. Now, although I think that the scholarly pursuit of gospel learning is incredible, it's important to note that classifying it as scholarly, learning the nitty-gritty details of the scriptures, etc., is not what makes for good oil. Different oils, and we're actually talking about real oil now, burn at different rates and at different brightnesses. So if we talk about our metaphorical oil as it relates to the gospel, good oil, that greater light and knowledge can be measured, I think, by the degree at which you feel the Holy Ghost presence in your life, that guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. And remember that that doesn't mean that you 
act in perfect ways or that the people around you act in perfect ways. But it does mean that you constantly must use the atonement of Jesus Christ in order to make up for those imperfect moments in our life. The Lord sees so much potential in you. You are qualified, expected, and required to continue seeking greater light and knowledge. I want to end with 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9-11. through 11. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.